Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben, I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. It is episode 14, and tonight we're going to dive into smart recovery. We are a recovery podcast, and so we want to really bring different perspectives to this podcast. And tonight is all about smart recovery. Smart recovery, if you don't know what that means, it's the self-management and recovery training program. And smart recovery is a secular program, which means that it has no religious basis and that it's really spiritual in nature. Um, And it's very scientific-based and uses cognitive behavioral therapy and non-confrontational motivation methods. And tonight, we're very excited to have our guest, Renato T. from Northern New Jersey, here with us. And Chris, you know him pretty well, so why don't you introduce him? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I met Renato after I got out of rehab. You know, he's one of the guys that kept me sane during uh, the initial recovery process. You know, stuff that I know about him, he was a bartender. I won't get into his life story, but he's got two children like me. He's pretty funny. He's an amateur comedian (laughs) and uh, playwright. And uh, I think you're soon to be a real estate agent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why don't you uh, start off telling us a little bit about your story and uh, what brought you into treatment? So so my name is Renato, um, and I am originally from uh, from New York, from Brooklyn, uh, born and raised in New York City. Um, I, you know, regular childhood, um, you know, I lived like in a pretty, pretty diverse area. Um, and I would say that like, as a kid, I remember that, um, I remember my dad would have a beer and I would have a sip of it and I would be like, man, this is gross. Like, why would people like not drink soda? Why would they, why would they drink this stuff? And it was like Lohenbrow, something terrible. And then like when I turned, when I, when I was 18, I still hadn't drank. I was one of those people that was like, I'll be fit forever. I won't drink, um, which is not true now. And so I, I remember when I think the summer of, uh, of 1999, so I'm officially dating myself, um, I started drinking. And it was just one of those things where I was like, I, you know, I would drink, um, <clears throat> I would have fun. But like every so often, you know, I would, I would like something would happen. I would like black out or, you know, I'd have to apologize apologize about something but with my friends through college every everyone was like no that's normal that's okay you know so as years go by like there's still you know incidents happen there's you know more blackouts more apologies and but you know we move on to post-college and you know I I'm still doing the same old routine of like hey let's go out let's have like some drinks um, always the one that's organizing it, never missing like a happy hour or a get together, um, have some money. So, you know, going out more, um, have a, you know, get, start having a relationship with some, you know, with the girl that becomes my wife. Um, and, you know, being like a 20 year old in New York city, just drinking, like just drinking a bunch, hanging out, but always there'd be something like every, every couple of months there'd be something like, Oh man, I have to apologize for that. Or like, shit, I did that. Um, and then I, so then like, it takes kind of like, uh, where, where, um, where, where I pick it up a little bit is when I uh, transition from a corporate job to bartending and bartending just gave me, um, 
the access and, you know, I could just drink whenever I wanted. Um, and I would work like about four or five nights a week. So, you know, I would go, I'd go to work, I'd have some drinks and, you know, leave always buzzed, if not drunk most of the time, um, which is like fun and cool for a little while. But then like, you know, things start to change and you're like, all right, you know, I, I did bartending to kind of do other things in my life. Just like a lot of people, you know, you get into that industry, the restaurant industry, just to kind of, um, just to kind of do something else. But everybody knows like everybody in the restaurant industry, like you're really like, you're really not sober. You're really just always like, usually hanging out, drinking, you go out after work, your coworkers drink, it's just very normal. And reflecting on things lately, I've, I've realized like a lot of the people that like left, really left because they, um, a lot of them, because they had a problem. Um, I, I know of like three people off the top of my head that like quit drinking um, while I was working in the city. So for me, you know, it just kept going. And I was just always like, I could, you know, kind of finagle my way the next day, you know, if something did happen, like, you know, being like, hey, sorry, like, usually it was in my head. And, um, you know, as the years go by, like, never have an incident at work, everything is cool, everything's fine, you know, my coworkers who drank with me never were like, man, this guy's a problem. We, we did have a few coworkers that we were like, man, that guy's like really out of control. But I always managed to like, be quiet with like, nothing really happened with me, you know, um, and I noticed that I was like the type of drunk that I would get excited. And this will play in to later, later in the story. If, if like friends were going out that I hadn't seen in a long time, or I was having a blast with people that I just met, like I would push it. So that was a common theme with me. Um, just pushing it, pushing it, you know, um, getting too drunk. Like most of the times I'd be okay, but there would be those times where a friend would have to drive me home and I'd be like, I have no idea where I live. Um, and, you know, those things, again, like if it happens once in a while, that's fine. But um, I'm bartending, you know, working as a full-time bartender. It's happening, a, it's happening a lot more. Just the frequency is much higher. So fast forward, um, I was living in Queens and then I moved to New Jersey right before the birth of my son. And, you know, my wife is kind of like, all right, you know, placating me being like, all right, let's go up to some bars. Let's like, you know, let me get you familiar with this area. I was like, okay. Um, and I, before, before my son was born, I definitely was transitioning from like, okay, I'll have like a few drinks, you know, at home to like being like, man, I can't wait to get home after drinking at the bar for free, going home, buying some beer and like getting some tacos and like hanging out, which sounds wonderful. And it was really cool most of the time. But, you know, it's like, it'd be, it be like the pattern begins. It's like, all right, now I'm like drinking at home alone. Um, I'm very comfortable with it. I'm, you know, I enjoy it. I'm now drinking hard liquor at home. Like if I find it, I remember at one, at one point, like I finished like triple sec, just being like, all right, well, you know, I don't have anything in New York. Like the liquor stores are closed. Um, you can get beer anywhere, but if you wanted something a little more potent, more potent, you had to go to the liquor store. Liquor stores are closed, uh, you know, by like nine o'clock or something. But anyway, once I moved to New Jersey, like um, this is 2015, I'm like, all right, you know, this is like kind of boring. I don't know anybody around here. And like, I really just started using it as like an excuse to be like, well, I'm just going to drink. So I didn't stop when I moved here through when my son was born, you know, just drinking, being like pretty much every night being like, all right, I'm just going to have some beers. And it wasn't like I was getting wrecked every night, but I was definitely like not missing out. I would say it felt like 
if I wasn't drinking and I'd be like, man, I lost like a night. Like I was like, I felt like I was like this weird bachelor. Like I was just like every night I should be hanging out. I should be doing something. So pretty much that like caught up to me. Um, in 2017, I got a DUI and that was just like the, the, like, you know, if there was a case against me, this was built, this was starting to build it. Um, then in 2018, um, in September, I went to a Yankees game with, uh, with like this bar I was working with in, uh, here in New Jersey. And like, I got so messed up and my wife was like, you got it. You got, it. you can't be here. So that was like, you know, like, damn, like that's already like got a DUI kicked out of the house. Like the standard checklist of like, of like not good stuff. So, you know, I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll like cool it off. I'll cool it off. You know, nothing happens in the next year, September. I'll never forget. It always happens around the same time. It like the Browns and the Jets play the week after I get kicked out of my house, like two years in a row. And um, Disenchantment on Netflix premiered. Great show. So I was like, oh, man. And I was like, I had to be on good behavior. My wife was like, you, you, you got to stop. So, you know, I was like, all right, I'll take this serious. But I was at my parents and I was like, you know, whatever. I'll like, I can keep this on the wraps, kept drinking, you know, drinking at work. And I, and I actually got fired from this one job here in New Jersey. So it like, you know, it was like, now you've lost your job. You've lost the job over this. You've um, been kicked out of your house twice. And like, you know, you have this DUI, like this is, this is not like, not what happens with normal people. Like, you know, you're not, you're not doing a good job of like saying you have this under control or under wraps. And then, you know, finally there was a, you know, breaking point. Um, I like was pretending I wasn't drinking. I was, you know, in charge of, of, uh, of my daughter one night, uh, you know, and I like was getting pretty drunk and my wife came home and like saw that I was like pretty drunk and she was like, that's it. So after that, I went to lovely Seabrook in, uh, in down in uh, South Jersey, you know, did that stayed in LTR, um, you know, it was recommended, which LTR means long-term residency. And I've been sober since I've been sober for almost a year and a half. Um, and you know, it's been, it's been a process, definitely um, something that I never thought I would be doing. I never thought I would be talking on a podcast about like the stupid things I did. Um, so that's pretty much how I got from being born to being in a being uh, being sober. Well, congratulations on a year and a half. Um, Thanks, Chris. You know, I think I was there for your one-year mark. So once again, congratulations. Uh, as we discussed before, it's obviously the theme is centered around smart recovery. Um, we are familiar with traditional AA and NA programs, uh, meetings, etc. Can you walk us through just what a traditional smart recovery meeting looks like and you know the length of time how it's formatted you know any insight yeah so i'll actually start with really quickly with like how i got there because um i think like one of the main things that i learned was that no one is unique and like every everybody and and that's like a i know like we're taught that like we're all unique people the individual like it's it's a big thing here but when you really like begin to like let that go that you're not unique and like this in a good way, like these things have happened to other people, you kind of like become more open to other things. So when I was in, uh, in Seabrook, 
um, in Bridgeton, they, uh, you know, they, they, they were like, look, we're 12 base, we're 12 step base, but we're your, you can check out whatever you'd like. So um, mine was alcohol. So they, you know, we did AA and I remember just looking at the, looking at the 12 steps and just seeing God. And I was like, man, I don't know about that. Like, I was like, I, I really, I really can't, I can't, I can't get into that. So, but every, you know, of course they're like the, the higher powers, whatever you see, whatever you want. But my thinking was like, man, I don't know. Like, what if I like hate the higher power that one day and then like I, I, the system gets screwed up. So I was like, all right, I need, I, I have a, a degree in uh, industrial organizational psychology. So I was like, you know what, let me see something that's like a little more, more caters more to me and, you know, just keeps me sober. So I ended up being, uh, being told about SMART and um, I ended up, you know, what was great was that during the pandemic, um, you could really go to these SMART meetings. Um, the pandemic's been great. I mean, I'm sure it's been terrible for some people that are just like, don't want to go to meetings, don't want to get help. You could just hide away. But at the, on the flip side, like, I feel like it's much more positive. Like, you can go to a meeting anywhere. You can try a new program. Um, and SMART was helpful, like, was really helpful for me in that because um, I ended up uh, doing meetings in New York, um, all over New Jersey, just on Zoom. Um, the meetings are very, very, um, very similar. Um, they're pretty straightforward. Um, they start with, you know, everybody goes around. Um, there's a little bit of crosstalk. Um, you tell, you know, say how you're doing, you give a check-in and then, um, they'll go around and someone will, you know, say, Hey, you know, I'm having an issue with X, Y, and Z, whether it's, you know, it could be, um, an eating disorder, um, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be, you know, whatever, whatever uh, behavior you believe that, um, that you're having an issue with. Um, and then everybody will help you. We'll, you'll go through a worksheet, um, you know, the ABCs or a CBA, um, which are just inventories. Um, you just look at what behavior, you know, um, the activating behavior, A. B is the belief system. So, you know, why you think this is okay or like, you know, hey, I, I want to get like a bottle of vodka. Okay, well, why? Why do you want? Because I am stressed out. Okay. And then you play the tape, the consequences, you know, you're like, if this happens, like what will likely happen? Okay, my family, you know, my family's going to find me. I'm going to be in, you know, deep trouble. This is not good. So um, it, it's very much doing, a, um, doing an analysis of like what you think you know, what, what, what brought you there and like what you think is going to happen. Um, I think it's very useful. Um, I like, I like that science approach. And I feel like, um, another thing that I, that I kind of like is that even though I've been sober a year and a half, um, they don't count days. So I know for some people that could be a little overwhelming, you know, like if you're like, Oh, I just did something the other day. Now I'm back to day one. Um, that can kind of stink. So, you know, there's not pressure on that. It's like the here and now, like, we just want you to be okay now and tomorrow. Um, and you know, and that's not to say also, like, I don't do AA meetings. Um, I'll do AA meetings when I can't find a smart meeting. Smart meetings are a little, um, hard to find if you don't know where to go. But, um, but I find that they're, that they're really good. Um, you know, you find, you, you find that, um, it's usually the same people. It's not a big group. So it's almost like you're like in a small um, AP class, um, you know, where you get to, te you, you just have a small group, you discuss your thing and, you know, um, it's pretty much consistently the same people. Right. I mean, the one meeting I went to, 
it's kind of exactly what you said. They they play the tape, like you said. So what is my action going to lead to? And I think the main difference that I saw was the crosstalk. Like, people give feedback. And it's almost it's almost like a group therapy session. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but it's for all addictions, correct? Like, it doesn't yes. have to. Yeah. So that's another thing. Whereas AA and NA, you know, um, you know and they have CA. And it, it, they have all these... Uh, addiction kind of devoted to whatever smart is to just addiction in general. But yeah, it was, it almost seemed like a uh, outpatient group where you would sit in a circle and give feedback to each other. Yeah. And, and, and that is like a big, you know, part of it. Like you could hide, you could hide in it. You could definitely be quiet. You can hide in anything if you don't want to like talk about something, but um, it is pretty good in that, like, you, you know, someone says, Someone discusses their thing. You give them a little feedback. And by you giving them a little feedback, I find, open up and say, like, okay, well, here's what's going on with me. Um, I find that, like, sometimes um, you can get lost in a big AA meeting. It could be a lot of people. It's just someone talking about their experience. And when I do those AA meetings, they're great. Um, You know, hearing someone that's very similar to me, you know, that was a big thing about rehab that that I loved was hearing people that were just like me. Um, tell their story. Um, and, you know, that's what I love about jumping into an AA meeting. But, um, but in SMART, it is, you know, people talk about their thing and <clears throat> you go through the worksheet, you share your experience, they share their stuff. And, and it really is like a lot of stuff. Like, you know, sometimes I think, again, like we like to do things on our own. You think you can outthink something and, you know, you're like, okay, cool. But um, the SMART meetings are like a, like a good version of Twitter or a message board or Reddit where like, People are giving good feedback. They're actually talking to you. And, you know, before, you, before you're done, you're like, you know, I didn't think about it that way. You know, like, it's tough, I think, asking for feedback amongst your friends. There's a pride thing. There's a, you know, when you ask your friends, like, hey, what career move should I make? People are going to have their input. And you're going to just be like, you know, this guy just wants me to do their thing. Or, like, you just won't. It's kind of hard to listen to people like that. Um, in any kind of recovery thing, when you're with a good group, you know, it's nice hearing other people's feedback and just, you know, respecting certain people and, uh, you know, like their opinion matters. And, um, I, I found that in smart, um, you know, when I've said my thing, sometimes I haven't wanted to talk and I end up talking and it's kind of nice hearing people give their, their like logical, you know, things that their experience to your experience. I I think that's a really interesting point. You know, I, I was listening to the idea of crosstalk as it relates to an AA meeting. Um, and like you said, you've been to those as well. You know, for me, I find that interesting to hear other people comment on what I'm sharing. And it sounds as though it's not necessarily negative criticism or this is what you should do, but people are really focusing on, hey, this is what I did. So really kind of talking in their own experience. Is that, is that pretty true? Yeah. And, and that's, that's like a, that's a big thing um, for, for, I feel like when you're in, um, when you're doing smart, um, that, that you do get that crosstalk where it, it just engages you. And, and, you know, when I feel like when, again, when you're in an A meeting or an A, when there's a talker, it's just them. And, and, you know, that, that, that could be great. Like you need to hear that sometimes, but 
Um, speaking to someone having more interaction, um, I, I, that for me, I, I find that a lot of the times to be really helpful. That's very interesting. Um, you know, I want to shift to uh, kind of take off of what Chris's question was, but a little bit more about what the structure of your smart recovery program is. So, you know, I, I do follow AA, you know, I'm, I'm part of the 12 steps and everything like that. Um, and I have the sponsor sponsor relationship, right? That, that trusted person that I really help or use to help me walk through the, the program that I can use, you know, if I have no one else to call, I have that person. Is there anything like that in smart recovery? So there is, so there's no sponsor. Um, and when you, um, so the way, the way a meeting uh, kind of works is um, there's a, there's someone that's like licensed by, um, by smart, they're, they're facilitator. Um, they've gone through all the training. You have to be licensed to, um, to facilitate a smart meeting. Um, and so they, they run the meeting. Um, they, you know, do an inventory with everybody, you know, ask everybody like how they've been, like everybody, there's the crosstalk. Um, and they just try to, you know, they, they pretty much, they'll have the, the handbooks, all that. Um, yeah, there is, there are no sponsors. Um, you know, you go there on your own volition. You, you just speak, um, you just bring whatever, whatever you want that week. Everybody goes around. Um, usually, usually everybody does go around because the meetings are, are not that big. So everybody goes around. Um, but yeah, there is no sponsor. Um, it's nothing, nothing like that. And again, yeah, there's no, you know, um, higher power. There's no God talk, nothing like that. Okay. And, uh, just, you were saying how the, um, the leader of the group is licensed. Is that like a licensed therapist or do they have to be licensed through like a smart recovery, uh, program? From, from my understanding. Yeah. They, they go, there's like, um, I think you do it for a few weeks because they, they'll put it like whoever would like to facilitate. Um, they, yeah, they, they get licensed to run the smart meetings and really from my experience, from every smart meeting I've been in, they do a really good job with their licensing, uh, with their training, because, um, everybody does feel like a real therapist. Like they, they're, um, they're, they really do a good job of running the meetings. Um, they have like answers for everything. I mean, it, it just, it, it's a very comfortable setting in that someone does know what they're doing. Um, like that's something I've like right now you asking me that. Yeah. They, they really do um, do a good job of the, of, of training the facilitators because they do like um, they, they really do run a good meeting. You know, Renato, you mentioned before that you uh, you'll hit an AA meeting if, if you can't find a smart meeting. So I'm wondering what does your network look like? Is, is it a, a mix up of uh, smart and uh, any other recovery programs or mainly smart? What does that look like? My network tends to be the people that I met at Seabrook where I went for inpatient. Um, like most people that leave uh, a rehab center, um, everybody promises to stay in contact. You know, we're going to, you know, we're, we'll meet up, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, either you just lose contact with people or people relapse or they have some shame. Um, you know, that population tends to, uh, tends to get smaller, but um, afterwards I had some, um, outpatient that I still attended and I, you know, became friendlier with other people as well. Chris was one of them. And 
um, being, you know, I've noticed that, you know, you tend to, you tend to gravitate to the people that are similar to you, just like in life, like in anything else. Um, me and Chris have young kids. Um, so for me, my network is, is a mix of really a lot of AA people, some NA people. Um, I ca- kind of don't have that many smart friends really because of the pandemic. The pandemic has made it like a little hard to do um, meetings and the meetings are a little bit, um, they're, they're like a little, they're a little bit scattered. Um, there's like uh, some in New York that I do. So hopefully I'll be able to go into New York and meet these people for, for the first time since I've done these meetings. But, um, but I do, um, but my network is mainly, it's, it's really the people that I met um, through my inpatient and outpatient. That's my network right now. Awesome. This is very fascinating to me. It's actually my first introduction to smart recovery. So I did a little research um, before the the show tonight. One thing that I saw on there, um, and like I said in the introduction, that this is very scientific based. Um, However, I did see a comment that individuals aren't identified as alcoholics and addicts, but really as people who have behaviors that need to be modified. Can you talk about that? You know, do you identify as an alcoholic and addict? Do you do you have any thoughts on that? So it's it's interesting because I I whenever I have to say alcoholic, I'm used to it now. But I would cringe because like, I was like, look, I I don't know if that's like, I I, I like the label. The, that's just a personal thing for me. Like being labeled something is just kind of like, all right, that's it. That's what I am forever. Um, I don't think I have to punish myself for like what I've done. Um, but um, but yes. So when when you um when you introduce yourself, you you just identify you know the behavior that you're having the problem with your your uh, your drug of choice, your DOA or behavior of choice. Um, and when it, when at these meetings, um, usually when you know you just it's kind of like um, I think it's the it, you know when we talk a lot about um, you know I know that like when I when I've done. Uh, these group sessions, it's like, you know, you're not your, you're not, not your behavior. Like that's just an incident that happened or, you know, whatever. So I do like that idea of, of, you know, you're not introducing yourself as like an alcoholic. Like I always, I kind of like, um, whenever I've done that in a meeting or NA, it's, it's almost like, um, it's almost like being in school and saying my full name. I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't know. Like you guys know, you always know you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Um, but, um, but I, 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 yeah, that I like, it's not something like a life or death thing. Like I wasn't like, I, I, I don't prefer smart to a because of that, but it is nice to like kind of move on from like feeling that shame or, you know, label with, with, with who I am, um, by not, by not having to say that, um, I, I do I do like that, but I don't have to say it because I haven't said it in a long time. Um, you know, because in, in real life, like the people that know that, you know, what I've what what what's happened with me the last like couple of years, um, you know, they'll ask me, like, you know, my wife will be like, Do you think you had a problem? I'll be like, I definitely did have a problem. Like, do I still have a problem? I don't know. But I mean, not having it doesn't create the problem. So, you know that's, that's a, that's a big part. So I'd rather not find out that, you know, if I am really an alcoholic or anything, but, but, um, but yeah, 
I, I, I prefer not, not to say it that way, but I'll fake it. If I'm in an AA meeting, I'm not going to be the weirdo that's like going to fight everybody. So, um, so yeah. So you mentioned that you were a year and a half sober, which congratulations again, and not to uh, transition off of smart recovery, but how has your life changed in this last year and a half or like, how has it improved? Well, I'll say this, the arguments I get into personally are the same, like they're, they're the same. So I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to point that out to like someone I'll be like, you know, that like, I wasn't, it wasn't just being drunk. Like I was still having these arguments, but but at the same time, like a lot of the like arguments afterwards, like those arguments have been like pretty much eliminated. They're like, do you remember last night? Or like, hey, like, uh, did you mean, you know, stuff like that, like that stuff has been eliminated. The, not having to stress out when you wake up in the morning, that, that I do not miss at all. The, just the like, oh my God, what happened? Um, I feel like, um, like I've, like I've gained a little bit of clarity with like just my day to day. I feel like, um, like not just not physically, I, I, I wouldn't, I still need to exercise, but like, um, I do feel like I'm, I'm a little bit smoother and not so like, um, just like just putting my head down and like just bulldozing my, my way through life. Like being like, all right, I'm here at work. I'm exhausted. Like I'm going to drink again. Um, I know this is going to make me tired tomorrow, but I'm just going to do it because I'm going to have fun. Um, not having, not doing that, uh, anymore has been, ha- has lifted a load off me. Like I'm not as exhausted. Um, I, 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 I do feel better. Like I definitely had like a weird, I don't know if it was a psychosomatic, like pain in my lower abdomen that isn't there anymore, which I'm pretty sure my kid was kicking me when I was changing his diaper. That probably was that, but it could have been something else. I went to the doctor. They were like, you know, it's not that, you know, Knowing that, like, I, I don't have, like, liver issues, that's nice, because that definitely was in my head. I was like, you know, I'm, like, I'm drinking a bunch, and, like, I do go to the doctor, and, like, I'll game it and, you know, not drink for a week before I go to the doctor, and they're like, oh, you're okay, and then I'll just pick right up to the pace that I was before. So my health, knowing that my health is better is nice. Um, I, I think my relationships, knowing that, like, I'm not risking my marriage, not risking my relationship with my kids. Um, you know, that's something that I think you take for granted when you're just caring about like yourself and you're just like, whatever, like, you know, nothing's going to happen. Like, I just want to, I don't even think sometimes it's that it's just like, you're just so into you're, you're like, you know, it's smart. They make you, um, they, they make you list like your, um, your hierarchy of values. And then when you look at it, you know, they say like, oh, you like family and your work and, you, and, and your friends. It's like, but really drinking is your big priority or whatever your behavior is, right? And it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, it's what you say, but what you do, right? Like for me, drinking was definitely a massive priority for me before. Like I, I, I remember just being like, oh my God, I can't wait to go to a game and like just drink. Oh my God, I can't wait till like this happens. Oh my God, I can't wait till like, hang out with everybody and get drunk. Like that was a big thing for me. And like, while I did not say it out loud, it really was like a massive priority. So um, knowing that that's not like my biggest thing, like being able to like sleep at a decent time and not feel like I'm like rolling the dice with so many things that, that has helped me. Um, I'm also taking um, antidepressants, which have helped. They definitely have helped me like from freaking out and, before I definitely was the type that would be like, man, I don't feel good. Like 
I think I like was a dick or did something wrong or whatever. Um, but now I feel that, you know, I do, I do, I'm a little bit less like anxious about things and, you know, I'm not like, Oh, let me get a drink. Like definitely for me, one of the things was anytime I dealt with any, any adversity or anything, I'd be like, let me just have a drink. Like that'll cool me off. And like, fine, you can do that. If it doesn't affect the rest of your life and you're not like a total screw up. But when you're doing it all the time, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's the definition of addiction. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. Um, even though we're sober for however long, some of our behaviors don't, you know, don't change and the arguments haven't changed. And I could definitely relate to that. I still, I am, you know, a little less time. I think I'm at seven months, but I still get into the same arguments with my wife. The The intensity may not be as, as big. And like you said, the follow-up arguments the next day aren't there, but we've talked about this a lot on this show is the behaviors are, are who we are and we have to work on that separately. Thank you so much. Um, we really appreciate all the information and for you sharing your story with us. Um, as you know, we're a podcast that really focuses on the journey of early recovery. So for those of our listeners who are really just starting out, uh, what's one piece of advice you would give a newbie or a beginner or someone in early recovery? Um, <clears throat> I would say you're not unique. Um, this has happened to other people. You can get through it. Um, try something that helps you. There's a bunch of different things that will help you. Um, and try to find a buddy. You find a buddy, you like make a little pact and you're like, hey man, like let's try to keep this together. Um, find somebody and and just you know stick with them thank you well it was great having you on the show uh thanks again for your time and um i believe that the smart recovery website is smartrecovery.org for more information uh thanks for your time tonight renato yeah thanks and i would say too there's a lot of there's a lot of national meetings so hit one of those up if you're ever curious they kind of give you a good uh good idea of how they work. And there's a, a lot of regional ones. You just have to go and put your zip code in, but yeah, no problem guys. Thank you guys. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank have you. A good night. Have a good night. Good night guys. Wow. I have to say that I'm actually kind of blown away. I was coming into this conversation with a bit of preconceived ideas around Don't smart lie. recovery. Come on. And, you know, I learned a lot, actually. Um, and one of the really interesting parts is in my research, and we kind of touched on it earlier in the interview, is that smart recovery is really based around cognitive behavior therapy. And that's one of the theories that I scored highest in, in my assessment in my master's program. So, you know, psychoanalysis and, and CBT. And so just to hear the, the concepts of smart recovery and how it's really individualized, it has this group therapy aspect to it. Um, it, really, it really informed me and educated me a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I have to say it was hard to get into the meeting. I, I think that, you know, that's one of the barriers that I saw um, you know, I hope that there's other meetings that I can check out on smartrecovery.org so that, you know, I can go and check out a meeting. Um, but I really learned a lot tonight. And 
Renato's a great guy. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been definitely a cornerstone in my network through this process. I think in the spirit of full disclosure, you know, we I think we should let the listeners know that Jason was not very thrilled with Smart Recovery on Saturday night. <laughs> we we tried to get into a meeting. It it didn't go swimmingly. Uh, it looked promising. Uh, there. You know, their website setup seems, you know, pretty, pretty uh, easily accessible. Um, and yeah, it, for me, it was it was kind of a, a bit of a negative uh, in that experience. But, you know, I think one of the things that recovery taught me is definitely have an open mind. And this sounds like a program that could really help a lot of people. And, um, you know, the uh, Especially when Renato was talking about, you know, the the, the issue with 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 uh, God that you know when you, they see an AA, and I know for me that was a really really big hang up uh, before I went into rehab, and I was able to get on board with it, but not everybody does, and that's totally fine. Like, and I think that's one of the reasons, you know, that I think, you know, we we as a recovery podcast, we have to search for every. Uh, avenue to recover because at the end of the day it's just about recovering it doesn't matter how you do it so you know hopefully this uh opens opens a door for some people that were maybe looking for some help and couldn't find it in a traditional 12-step program yeah i mean there's no right way to recover right i mean if it works for you if it works for if if walking down the street singing works for you to stay sober that's what you should do if smart recovery works if aa works you should do it I kind of identify more on the side of no labels than on the side of, hey, I'm this or that. I, I think that because I'm in NA and I participate, I've gone along with that because like Renato said, I'm not going to be that guy that just doesn't say it. Um, I really do get a lot of benefit also from crosstalk, uh, from IOP, from OP and when, when I was in that process. Now my crosstalk is utilizing my network. It's calling you guys. It's calling Renato. It's calling other people and getting that advice. But going to that in a weekly setting could be very beneficial to a lot of people. And like you bet, you know, like Ben said, whatever works is what you should do. Um, there's a lot of people that go to an AA meeting, an NA meeting, uh, whatever meeting, and they don't like it. And then they just stop going and they go back to addiction. And it would be really beneficial for people to try, even if they like AA or NA, to try all the programs and see what they like the most, I believe. I, I kind of see that as like, you know, if you're trying to choose your own religion, right? I mean, I grew up as Roman Catholic. But I don't identify as a Catholic anymore because I grew out of that and, you know, I tried other things and now I, I have more of a spiritual base to it. And AA does work for me because I believe that my higher power is my own individual higher power. But I get the concept of being more spiritual based, which is smart recovery, you know, and I, and I think all recovery programs have that underlying tone of whatever you need to do to get sober that willingness aspect is what you need to do to get sober yeah i think the thing that i really like that when i was talking about was again and chris you touched on it the lack of labels you know i think that's really important like you know if if i go into an na meeting and say i'm you know i have to say i'm an addict because that's what the 
the format says, well, like, right, like, you don't want to be that guy. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not an addict. I've never done drugs. Like, it's there's this element that you find in AA and NA that is very rigid sometimes, you know, and you, uh, you know, whether we've experienced it or we've heard stories about people being turned off by, you know, groups that say, if you got less than 90 days, sit down and shut up. Like, it's just not, you know, that's, that's turning people away. And I just think inclusivity is the most important aspect. The doors of every program should be open to anybody as long as they want to get sober. And, you know, that's the most important thing. It's just a matter of getting sober. Who, like, who cares how it happens? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, I think this was a really educational episode for me. I hope the listeners, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to uh, ask us, send us an email or drop us a message on our social media. And as always, tonight's episode is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, as well as the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a great night, guys. Have a good night. Have a great night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.